0: Holy smokes, it's the second half of July already, 2021. This year is just kind of like zooming past, unlike last year, which seemed to have been never ending. And speaking of holy smoke, uh, gosh, the western part of the U.S. <laughs> is on fire so much. So it's crazy early in the year for forest fires to be taken over. The biggest fire in the nation right now is in Oregon. Uh, luckily for us here in Salem, the wind is blowing the other direction. We're not getting the smoke like last Labor Day, but uh, nonetheless, it's oh, man, it's crazy to see all that happening. Uh, I'm headed out to Monterey next month. Uh, in less than a month with my buddy Rich, we go down to do some golfing, go to the Historic Auto Week. Something that all got canceled last year, but uh, definitely happening this year. Looking forward to it. In the trade show world, as for business, you know, I'm hearing reports from a lot of exhibitors and manufacturers Uh, A lot of exhibitors are reaching out to exhibit houses for project quotes and questions, and a lot of them seem to be saying, you know what, we want to spend money, but we want to be careful about it. You got anything to rent? (laughs) So actually, rentals, we're getting a lot of interesting inquiries about rentals, as are some other folks. So yeah, nothing wrong with that. Hey, uh, Tim Patterson, this is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee with the bi-weekly Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Yes, uh, bi-weekly, every other week. And you can find us online at tradeshowguy.net. Uh, my company's Trade Show Guy Exhibits. Got a couple of books out and some other things all about trade show marketing. Find it at tradeshowguy.net. I caught up recently with. Jim Worm, Executive Director of the Exhibitor-Approved Contractor Association. With all that's happening now in the uh, exhibit world, trade show world, uh, shows is getting cranked up again. There are uh, a lot of things to talk about. There's been a few bumps in the road along the way. And one of them being the kind of interesting situation where some show services companies in specific situations have been preventing exhibitors from bringing in outside exhibits, their own exhibits, and contractors, in a few places, it's uh, specific, it's not everywhere, but uh, along with that and a lot of other stuff we got to talk about, uh, it was an interesting conversation, and here is what that sounded like. I want to welcome Jim Worm of the Exhibitor Appointed Contractor Association to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Jim, it's good to see you again. I think this is your second appearance here, so hey. Yeah,
1: it's good to be here. <laughs> Thanks, Tim.
0: And you're just over across the mountain. I'm in Salem. You're in Bend, as I recall. That's right. Right. Yeah. My old alma mater. So I, I always love coming back over there. I actually passed through uh, sisters in Redmond uh, in May uh, to and from a little camping trip. So I got a taste ah, of being over there. So, you know, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, you've been on the show before. We've talked about some of the issues that the exhibitor appointed contractors face when uh, you know, being in the industry and that sort of thing, obviously the industry was basically shut down, put in a coma like so many other industries uh, in what, 15, 16 months ago, and, and how yeah. we've kind of talked about how everyone's dealt with that. So, uh, what kind of got me thinking about this was, uh, a, a news release you sent out along with the EAC, a kind of a joint statement that came out in my news, uh, letter in your newsletter here. So there's this newsletter put out a uh, news release about uh, some of the uh, joint statement on the industry reopening. What was the point of the newsletter and, and what were you your s- saying with that?
1: Well, ourselves in the EDPA have been hearing a, a lot of uh, questions, particularly from organizers of events. As events are coming back, uh, there's a narrative going on. It seems like there's a, there's a concern about whether or not our respective and collective members are going to be able to, to service their clients at the shows. And so we thought it important is to put out the word that, yeah, we're, we're ready to go. Um, you know, our end of the of the industry spectrum, the, the design build people and, and the service people at the show floor primarily have as, as their role in this industry is, is the customer service element of the industry. Those uh, exhibitors that want to have their own relationships with their own suppliers, and in other words, that choose to use somebody other than the appointed official contractor, use our members, and um, and so the the thought is that um, will those members? I guess the organizer's concern is I don't I don't know if where this narrative got started, but will will they be around? Did the pandemic put um, a lot of our company respective companies out of business? Well, the answer. that is while certainly everybody suffered in the process um our our members collectively are ready to go and we wanted to make sure that the industry heard that Um, and as customer service representatives of whatever product or service that we bring to the to the event um our our job principally is is uh, creating opportunities and solving problems that arise during the process because as everybody knows uh, putting together a trade show is a pretty operationally yeah. intensive effort and it, it there are lots of different variables that that come up during that process. I mean, we can we could preview an exhibit in a warehouse, but that's a completely controlled environment. On the show floor it's completely uncontrolled. And so, um, our members are are very good at solving problems. The pandemic is probably one of the biggest problems any of them Ever had to solve, but we wanted to let them know that that our folks are resilient. Uh, they're excited to get back to work, and they're they're ready to go.
0: So you know, to me, the the there's a lot of uh, concern about that. I mean, certainly uh, from both sides, you know, you want to make sure you have enough people to do the job properly. And right. we know that everyone had to work during the the fifteen or sixteen months that they haven't been able to work in the industry. So a lot of them. You know, collected unemployment, so they were able to. There was a lot of help, certainly from federal and state governments, but a lot of them went elsewhere. So mm-hmm. the challenge is, of course, you know, how do you get those people back? Do you need all those people back? Can you replace them? How are your members looking at that and dealing with that particular issue?
1: Well, I mean, one of the things that uh, that both our organizations did, uh, EDP and ourselves, was work uh, feverishly on the process of, of getting relief funds for our members. And yeah. uh, we've been involved with, uh, well, as uh, Chris Griffin at the on the advocacy committee of the EDPA says, yeah, we've been in first grade learning the the lobbying process, and uh, and so uh, those of us that were involved in that have actually um, my last sixteen months has probably been busier than normal because of the numbers of calls like this, zooms with uh, with lobbyists and and uh, or phone calls with uh, elected federal representatives, educating them about our industry because you know one of the things that the pandemic uh, revealed in a in very painful way was how little those that make those kinds of decisions in, in Washington, D.C. knew or know about what we do. They, they tend to think that uh, we're like a restaurant, so uh, <laughs> if, we, uh, if we're shut down for a while, well, that's, that's unfortunate. But as soon as the restrictions are lifted, then we, we're open back up and we're ready to go to work. They don't know that our events are months, if not sometimes a year, in the planning cycle, and that as we start to ramp up again, that uh, our members need working capital to get started, uh, yeah. because you're, you're starting from ground zero.
0: So how effective was that advocacy, in, in your opinion, from you and as other people in the industry that did? I, I know there was a lot of outreach that I heard about, uh, wrote some letters to some congressmen. How effective do you think that was in the long run?
1: Well, I, I think huge in, in the respect of the uh, the CARES Act and the, and the Particularly that payroll protection program piece right. of the CARES Act, um, companies probably wouldn't have been able to survive if there wasn't something like that that helped at least maintain it a, a skeleton crew, uh, if not uh, more, of uh, employees that, uh, that kept the lights on, so to speak, with their with their companies. And folks got creative and did a number of different things, rolling furloughs so that folks could still get unemployment uh, compensation. they were if they were not actively working so that that was huge we're still actually working on several elements of it Uh, i'm sure you're familiar with the exhibitions and conferences alliance and they're working on uh uh, from their perspective things like tax credits for companies that participate in trade shows as a way to sort of prime the pump and and get the uh, exhibitors more comfortable with participation um we're uh currently working a lot with the uh, small business committees of both the House and the Senate on releasing some funds that are still uh, available in the shuttered venue grant program uh, because they still have lots of money left in that program. They gave it directly to the buildings. Our ask is that, well, how about some of the funds for folks that actually make their living in those buildings? And so, uh, we're We're trying to uh, communicate that to those committees and see if they get the SBA to release some of those funds as grants, which would provide the working capital necessary for many of our collective members to, to get back to work.
0: And I would think a lot of that advocacy and lobbying has made some connections you may not have had before. And it would probably, you know, you're probably thinking, well, it behooves us to, to keep those connections strong, even when things get back to normal, just right. because it's going to be beneficial. Wouldn't you think right. that? And that's
1: exactly the philosophy of the Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance. Like I said, that uh, the, the fact that we didn't have those relationships in play already when the pandemic started created a huge uh, uphill climb. I mean, the, the transportation industry uh, certainly had their, their foot in the door right away and the hospitality industry had their foot in the door right away. Uh, but our segment of hospitality, that being business events, was woefully underrepresented.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess it's good recognition then that, uh, you know, the the pandemic said, hey, you know, there's something that you should probably pay a little more attention to. So, I mean, I mean that's good in, in, in the long run, I would think.
1: Yeah, particularly because there was a lack of understanding of the fact that the business event industry is the engine and the driver yep. for the airline industry, the hotel industry and the restaurant industry. If we're doing well all those industries are going to be doing well uh, uh, alongside of us.
0: Yeah. It's also interconnected. It's really interesting, which kind of brings me to the thing that I heard four to five to six weeks ago. There was a couple of shows and I don't know the name of the shows or how, how extensive it was, but the show organizer would not allow exhibitor approved contractors to come in, set up exhibits. And they would also not allow the exhibitors to bring in their own exhibits. Uh, Is that, was that a one-time thing? Was that more extensive than what I heard? I'm just curious what you've heard about that.
1: Yeah, what we well, obviously the, the the first thing everybody heard was the fact that there was a a show kit came out for a show uh, later this year. I think it's in December. I forget where it, uh, where it's taking place, but uh, uh, whereby the exhibitors are told that uh, don't bring your own booth. Um, you're not allowed to bring your own booth. We're going to provide you with a booth, and we're going to provide you with a exhibit package that includes right. setup, and uh, and that's the name of the game. And the rationale that, that I heard that was provided for the reason for doing that is we're going to save you money. Um, but I don't know that too many folks want to have their marketing approach to any marketplace dictated to them as to how they can do it. Right. And that uh, this is going to be the cost. And uh, generally speaking, I, I don't think it's a great idea when you tell your customer, you don't have a choice, do it this way or, or don't come.
0: Especially when they spend a lot of money in building those exhibits and designing them, and they want to show them off, and I, I can't imagine that there wouldn't be anything but a lot of pushback from so many elements. I can't imagine it even actually a happening once, but if it would if it would continue beyond that, so I mean, have you heard anything that uh, these this they're still thinking this way or?
1: Uh, as far as I know, I mean, as huh. uh, I, I I sense and I, and I've heard this at least anecdotally that there's been pushback from the exhibitors yeah. about that. So it, I guess it remains to be seen how that will play out, but uh, <laughs> I, I can tell you that from past experience, when when exhibitors are told what they have to do and there's only one choice, typically that that's not uh, something that creates a lot of happy customers.
0: No, it doesn't go well. In fact, if I was an exhibitor, I would probably say, "Well, hmm, should I really be going to this show?" Right. And if I can't do it the way I want to, maybe I'll just wait till next year. Right. Because uh, a lot of people have waited till next year over the last year or the next two years. Uh, and so what's another year? I mean, they they figured out ways to kind of work around a trade show. Trade shows right. certainly are critical to the a lot of their success. But, you know, so I can't imagine that that wouldn't have some sort of splash effect anyway. So,
1: yeah. And speaking of that, too, as it relates to the first topic we were chatting about was the supply of labor and people ready to to get back to work. I think one of the mitigating factors as we start to uh, ramp up and reopen events is that, you know, more than likely, some of these events will be less than what they typically have been. Uh, World of Concrete, as an example, in Las Vegas at the beginning of June, by most estimates was about 40% of what it That's what I'm hearing too, yeah. And so with less business to service and maybe a, a ramping up process of getting people back to their, their place of employment that they've enjoyed in the industry for years, maybe those things will mitigate and, and uh, allow a, a little more comfortable sort of uh, process of, of getting our, our business, businesses collectively restarted.
0: So yeah, I did actually talk to someone who was at the world of concrete and obviously some of the big challenges are safety protocols. Uh, you mentioned these, uh, service for clients, uh, and obviously with all the people that set up booze, you're, you're trying to attract and main, uh, retain personnel. What are the biggest challenges that, uh, members are, are facing right now?
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing that we work on a lot with our members is, uh, you know, what, what the uh, landscape is going to look like, right? The, uh, Every venue, every show has a different sensibility and sensitivity about what it's going to take to produce that event safely. Chicago and McCormick Place has an entirely new system for worker check-in. They've got a technology solution with kiosks that the uh, individual comes up to the kiosk and uses their ID to identify themselves, answer the COVID questions, all things Uh, going in the right direction, then it spits out an access wristband for the day. So uh, that's Chicago. Uh, uh, Las Vegas is different from that. Uh, California is reopened as of June 15th, but any event that's over 5,000 people, they're going to require each individual to have proof that they've been vaccinated, at least until October 15th. So we're wondering whether or not that uh, impacts the workforce too, or is that just for the attendees and the exhibitors? So there's all kinds of different ideas, and, and um, in order for folks to be effective, they need to have a idea of what's going to be expected of them when they show up at the building, so they can prepare uh, effectively.
0: Yeah, and with 50 states, uh, there's it's just such a patchwork of how this is all going to fall into place, and it's going to change from week to week, month to month, which makes you a busy guy. What are you? So let's wrap it up. But what are you work, spending most of your time working on uh, these days? Uh,
1: mostly just collecting information and disseminating it out to the to the members, just saying. Here's a, here's a bulletin about this show. This is what you got to do to access this event. Oh, the, By the way, this, this particular show is saying that uh, everybody's got to be vaccinated. We're, we're checking with them to find out if they're going to require that of the workforce or they're just talking about the attendees and the exhibitors. So it's all those kinds of things, keeping feelers out in the field, collecting data, and then trying to communicate it as quickly as we can to keep people uh,
0: in the know. Right. And people can find out more if they want to connect with your website. What What's the website?
1: EACA.com.
0: EACA. Okay. Jim, yes. it's been great to catch up with you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Thanks again to Jim Worm, Executive Director of the Exhibitor Appointed contractor association appreciate uh jim spending some time with me on this week's show just about to wrap it up uh this week's one good thing i've been listening to a new album not quite through but it's really good so i'll point at you to this one it's uh mickey Dolans, former monkey although i guess if you're a former monkey you're always a monkey right mickey Dolans, i got to see him uh four years ago when he swung through uh the Willamette valley he played out at western oregon university uh i was in the second row it was a fun show And the fun thing about that show, two fun things, actually. Um, My wife is a cellist, a very good cellist, and she was in the string section for that particular show, like a 15- or 20-piece band. And second thing is, you can find that album. It's recorded, uh, Mickey Dolenz in the American Metropole Orchestra. She's on an album with Mickey Dolenz. That's cool. But that's not what the cool thing of the week is, although that was pretty cool. Uh, Mickey's got a new album out, and he's doing Dolenz Does Nesmith. (laughs) Uh, Former monkey... Again, if you're a former monkey, you're probably always a monkey. Michael Nesmith, great songwriter. Uh, and he uh, has, you know, Mickey's collected a bunch of Michael's songs and recorded them and put them out on a brand new album, which is really, really good. Mickey's voice, he's in his 70s, right? He's mid-70s, pushing 80. His voice is pretty awesome. I would check out, if you're a monkey fan or a Mickey Dolan's fan, check out his brand new album. That's it for this week. And have yourself a great week. We'll do it here in another couple of weeks on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee.